Chapter forty one of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty one What Jerry Found Under the Floor. Meantime, Jerry had gone back to the wreck of the table, which she handled as carefully and reverently as if it had been her mother's coffin she was touching. One of the legs had been broken before, and she and Harold had fastened it on and turned it to the side of the house, where it would be more out of the way of harm, and it was this leg which had succumbed first to the force of Peterkin's fist, and as the entire pressure of the table was brought to bear upon it in falling, it had been precipitated through a hole in the baseboard, which had been there as long as she could remember the place, not so large at first, but growing larger each year as the decaying boards crumbled or were eaten away by rats jerry called it a rat-hole and had several times put a trap there to catch the marauders who sometimes scampered across her very feet so accustomed were they to her presence but the rats would not go into the trap and then she pasted a newspaper over the hole but this had been torn and hung in shreds while the hole grew gradually larger taking up the top of the table jerry dragged it to the centre of the room and putting three of the legs upon it went to search for the fourth one end of which was just visible at the aperture in the wall as she stooped to take it out a bit of the decayed floor under her feet gave way making the opening so large that the table leg disappeared from view entirely then jerry went down upon her knees and thrusting her hand under the floor felt for the missing leg striking against stones and bits of mortar and finally touching something from which she recoiled for an instant it was so cold and slimy but she struck it again in her search this time more squarely and grasping it hard in her hand brought it out to the light while an undefinable thrill half of terror half of joy ran through her frame as she held it up and examined it carefully it was a small handbag of russia leather covered with mould and stained with the damp of its long hiding-place while a corner of it showed that the rats had tested its properties but disliking either the taste or the smell had left it in quiet and there under the floor not two feet from where jerry had often played it had lain ever since the wintry night years before when it had probably fallen from the table then the rats attracted by this novel appearance in their midst had investigated and dragged it so far from the opening that it could not be seen unless one went down upon the floor to look for it this was the conviction that flashed upon jerry as she stood without the power at first to speak or move in her ears there was a roaring sound like the rushing of distant waters falling heavily while the objects in the room swam around her and she experienced again that ringing sensation as if the top of her head was leaving her she was so sure that here at last was a message from the dead that she had the mystery of her babyhood in her grasp and yet for two full minutes she hesitated and held back until at last the face which had haunted her so often seemed almost to touch her own with a caress which brought the hot tears to her eyes and the spell which had bound her hands and feet was broken the bag was clasped but not locked although there was a lock and jerry thought involuntarily of the key found with the other articles on the dead woman's person to unclasp the bag required a little strength for the steel was covered with rust but it yielded at last to jerry's strong fingers and the bag came open disclosing first some hard object carefully wrapped in a silk handkerchief which had been white in its day but now was yellow and soiled by time at this however jerry scarcely looked for her eye had fallen upon a package of papers beneath it folded with care and securely tied with a bit of faded blue ribbon 
seating herself upon the bench where she had been sleeping when peterkin's voice aroused her jerry untied the package and then began to read first slowly as if weighing every word and sentence then faster and faster until at last it seemed that her eyes fairly leaped from page to page taking in the contents at a glance and comprehending everything when she had finished she sat for a moment rigid as a corpse and then with a loud glad cry which went floating out upon the summer air thank heaven i have found my mother she fell upon her face insensible to everything how long she lay thus she did not know but when she came back to consciousness the sunlight had changed its position in the room and she felt it was growing late starting up and wiping from her face a drop of blood which had oozed from a cut in her forehead caused by her striking it against some hard substance when she fell she looked about her for a moment in a bewildered kind of way not realizing at first what had happened and even when she remembered she was too much stunned and astonished to realize it all as she would afterward when she was calmer and could think more clearly taking up the papers one by one in the order in which she had found them she tied them again with the blue ribbon and put them into the bag there was something more she whispered trying to think what it was then as her eye fell upon the first package she had taken out and which was wrapped in a silk handkerchief she took it up and removing the covering started as suddenly as if a blow had been dealt her for there was a tortoise-shell box with its blue satin lining and its diamonds which seemed to her like so many sparks of fire flashing in her eyes and dazzling her with their brilliancy just such a box as this and just such diamonds as these mrs frank tracy had lost years ago and as jerry held them in her hand and turned them to the light till they showed all the hues of the rainbow she experienced a feeling of terror as if she were a thief and had been convicted of the theft then as she remembered what she had read she burst into a hysterical fit of laughing and crying together and whispered to herself i believe i am going mad like him after a time she arose and with the bag on her arm and the diamonds in her hand she started for home with only one thought in her mind i must tell harold and ask him what to do she had forgotten that he was to leave that afternoon on the train forgotten everything except the one subject which affected her so strongly so that in one sense she might be said to be thinking of nothing when as she was walking with her head bent down she came suddenly face to face with harold who with his satchel in his hand was starting for the train due now in a few minutes jerry he exclaimed how late you are i waited until the last minute to say good-bye why what ails you and where have you been he continued as she raised her head and he saw the strange pallor of her face in the tramp house she answered in a voice which was not hers at all and made harold look more curiously at her as he did so he saw peeping from a fold of the silk handkerchief the corner of the tortoise-shell box which he remembered so well and the sight of which brought back all the shame and humiliation and pain of that morning when he had been suspected of taking it what is it what have you in your hand he asked then jerry's face so pale before turned scarlet and her eyes had in them a wild look which harold construed into fear as without a word she laid the box in his hand and stood watching him as he opened it harold's face was whiter than jerry's had been and his voice trembled as he said in a whisper mrs tracy's diamonds yes mrs tracy's diamonds jerry replied with a marked emphasis on the mrs tracy how came you by them and where did you find them 
harold asked next shrinking a little from the glittering stones which seemed like fiery eyes confronting him i can't tell you now put them up quick don't let anyone see them someone is coming jerry said hurriedly as her ear caught a sound in her eye an object which harold neither saw nor heard as he mechanically put the box into his side pocket and then turned just as tom tracy came up on horseback hello jerry hello hal he cried dismounting quickly and throwing the bridle rein over his arm and so you are off to that suit he continued addressing himself to harold by george i wish i were a witness i'd swear the old man's head off for i believe he is an old liar then turning to jerry he continued are you better than you were this morning upon my word you look worse it's that infernal watching last night that ails you i told mother you ought not to have done it just then a whistle was heard in the distance the train was at truesdale four miles away you will never catch it tom said as harold snatched up his bag and started to run here jump on to beaver and leave him at the station i can go there for him harold knew it was impossible for him to make time against the train and accepting tom's offer he vaulted into the saddle and galloped rapidly away reaching the station just in time to give his horse to the care of a boy and to leap upon the train as it was moving away meanwhile tom walked on with jerry to the cottage where he would have stopped if she had not said to him i would ask you to come in but my head is aching so badly that i must go straight to bed good-bye tom and she offered him her hand a most unusual thing for her to do on an ordinary occasion like this what ailed her tom wondered that she spoke so kindly to him and looked at him so curiously was she sorry for her decision and did she wish to revoke it then by jove i'll give her a chance for every time i see her i find myself more and more in love tom thought as he left her and started for the station after beaver whom he found hitched to a post and pawing the ground impatiently mrs crawford was in the garden when jerry entered the house and thus there was no one to see her as she hurried upstairs and hid the leather bag away upon a shelf in her dressing-room first however she took out two of the papers and read them again as if to make assurance doubly sure then she tried the little key to the lock which it fitted perfectly there is no mistake she whispered but i can't think about it now for this terrible pain in my head i must wait till harold comes home he will tell me what to do and be so glad for me dear harold his days of labour are over and grandmother's too those diamonds are a fortune in themselves and they are mine my own she said so oh mother i have found you at last but i can't make it real my head is so strange what if i should be crazy what if that dreadful taint should be in my blood or what if i should die just as i have found my mother oh heaven don't let me die don't let me lose my reason and i will try to do right only show me what right is she was praying now upon her knees with her throbbing head upon the side of the bed into which she finally crept with her clothes on even to her boots for jerry was herself no longer the fever with which for days she had been threatened and which had been induced by overstudy at vassar and the excitement which had followed her return home could be kept at bay no longer and when mrs crawford who had seen her enter the house went up after a while to see why she did not come down to tea she found her sleeping heavily with spots of crimson upon her cheeks while her hands which moved incessantly were burning with fever 
occasionally she moaned and talked of the tramp house and rats and peterkin who had struck the blow and knocked something or somebody down mrs crawford could not tell what unless it were jerry herself on whose forehead there was a bunch the size now of a walnut jerry jerry mrs crawford said in alarm as she tried to remove the girl's clothes what is it jerry what has happened who hurt you who struck the blow peterkin was the faint response as for an instant jerry opened her eyelids only to close them again and sink away into a heavier sleep or stupefaction it seemed the latter and as mrs crawford could not herself go for a physician and as no one came down the lane that evening she sat all night by jerry's bed bathing the feverish hands and trying to lessen the lump on the forehead which in spite of all her efforts continued to swell until it seemed to her it was as large as a hen's egg did peterkin strike you and what for she kept asking but jerry only moaned and muttered something she could not understand except once when she said distinctly yes peterkin such a blow it was like a blacksmith's hammer and knocked the table to pieces i am glad he did it mrs crawford asked herself in vain what she meant and when at last the early summer morning broke she was almost as crazy as jerry who was steadily growing worse and who was saying the strangest things about arrests and blows and peterkin and harold and mr arthur whose name she always mentioned with a sob and stretching out of her hands as to some invisible presence help must be had and for two hours mrs crawford watched for the coming of someone until at last she saw tom tracy galloping up on beaver tom tom she screamed from the window don't get off but ride for your life and fetch the doctor quick jerry is very sick has been crazy all night and has a bunch on her head as big as a bowl where she says peterkin struck her peterkin struck jerry i'll kill him tom said as he tore down the lane and out upon the highway in quest of the physician who was soon found and at jerry's side where tom stood with him gazing awestruck upon the fever-stricken girl who was tossing and talking all the time and whose bright eyes unclosed once and fixed themselves on him as he spoke her name and laid his hand on one of hers oh tom tom she said you told me you'd kill her will you kill her will you kill her and a wild hysterical laugh echoed through the room as she kept repeating the words will you kill her will you kill her which conveyed no meaning to tom who had forgotten what he had said he would do if a claimant to tracy park should appear in the shape of a lady whatever jerry took up she repeated rapidly until something else came into her mind and when mrs crawford referring to the bunch on her head said to the physician peterkin struck the blow she says she began at once like a parrot peterkin struck the blow peterkin struck the blow until another idea suggested itself and she began to ring changes on the sentence in the rat-hole in the trap-house in the trap-house in the rat-hole talking so fast that sometimes it was impossible to follow her the blow on her head alone could not have produced this state of things it was rather over-excitement added to some great mental shock the nature of which he could not divine the doctor said to tom who in his wrath at peterkin was ready to flay him alive or at least to ride him on a rail the instant he entered town it was a puzzling case though not a dangerous one as yet the physician said jerry's strong constitution could stand an attack much more severe than this one and prescribing perfect quiet with strict orders that she should see no more people than was necessary he left promising to return in the afternoon when he hoped to find her better tom lingered a while after the doctor had left 
and showed himself so thoughtful and kind that mrs crawford forgave him much which she had harboured against him for his treatment of harold all night tom's dreams had been haunted with jerry's voice and jerry's look as she gave him her hand and said good-bye tom and he had ridden over early to see if the look and tone were still there and if they were and he had a chance he meant to renew his offer but words of love would have been sadly out of place to this restless feverish girl whose incoherent babblings puzzled and bewildered him one fact however was distinct in his mind peterkin had struck her a terrible blow in the tramp-house of that he was sure though why he should have done so he could not guess and vowing vengeance upon the man he left the cottage at last and rode down to the tramp-house where he found the table in a state of ruin upon the floor three of the legs upon it and the other one nowhere to be seen he struck her with it and then threw it away i'll bet he said to himself as he hunted for the missing leg and it was some quarrel he picked with her about hal who is going to swear against him jerry would never hear hal abused and i've no doubt she aggravated the wretch until he forgot himself and dealt her that blow i'll have him arrested for assault and battery as sure as i am born hurrying home he told the story to his mother who smiled incredulously and said she did not believe it bidding him to say nothing of it to maud who was not as well as usual that day then he told his father who started at once for the cottage where mrs crawford refused to let him see jerry saying that the doctor's orders were that she should be kept perfectly quiet and that she did seem a little better and more rational but as they stood talking together near the open door jerry's voice was heard calling let mr frank come up so frank went up and notwithstanding all he had heard from tom he was surprised at jerry's flushed face and the unnatural expression of her eyes which turned so eagerly toward him as he came in for a moment her mind was tolerably clear and she said to him abruptly while she held his gaze steadily with her bright eyes you posted that letter frank knew perfectly well that she meant the letter whose superscription he had studied so many times and which had seldom been absent from his thoughts an hour since that night when from her perch on the gate-post jerry had startled him with the question she was asking him now but he affected ignorance and said as indifferently as he could what letter do you mean why the one mr arthur wrote to gretchen or her friends in wiesbaden and gave me to post you took it for me to the office and i sat on the gate so long waiting for you to come and tell me you had posted it sure oh yes i remember it and how you frightened me sitting up there so high like a goblin frank answered falteringly his face as crimson now as jerry's and his eyes dropping beneath her gaze gretchen's friends never got that letter jerry continued no they never got it frank answered mechanically if they had jerry went on they would have answered it for she had friends there frank looked up quickly at the girl talking so strangely to him what had she heard what did she know or was this only an outburst of insanity she certainly looked crazy as she lay there talking to him he was sure of it a moment after when she said to him as he arose to go you have been kind to me you and maud you and maud and i shan't forget it tell her i shan't forget it i shan't forget it kiss me mr tracy please had he been struck by lightning frank could hardly have been more astonished than he was at this singular request and for a moment he stared blankly at the girl who had made it not because he was at all adverse to granting it but because he doubted the propriety of the act even if she were crazy 
but something in jerry's face like arthur's mastered him and stooping down he kissed the parched lips through which the breath came so hotly wondering as he did so what dolly would say if she could see him a white-haired man of forty-five kissing a young girl of twenty and that girl jerry crawford thanks jerry said wiping her mouth with the back of her hand i think you have been chewing tobacco haven't you but i shan't forget it i shall do right i shall do right she was certainly growing worse frank thought as he went down to confer with mrs crawford as to what ought to be done and to offer his services he would remain there that afternoon he said and send a servant over to be in the house during the night she is very sick he said but it does not seem as if her sickness could be caused wholly by that bruise on her head do you think peterkin struck her she says so was mrs crawford's reply though why he should do it i cannot guess then she added that a servant would not be necessary as harold would be home by seven but he may not frank replied squire harrington came at two and reported that the suit was not called until so late that they would not probably get through with the witnesses to-day so hal may not be here and i will send rob anyway on his way home frank too looked in at the tramp house and saw the broken-down table and hunted for the missing leg and with tom concluded that something unusual had taken place there though he could not guess what that evening as jerry grew more and more restless and talkative mrs crawford listened anxiously for the train and when it came waited and watched for harold but watched in vain for harold did not come several of her neighbours however did come those who had gone to the city out of curiosity to attend the lawsuit and see old peterkin squirm and hear him swear and could she have looked into the houses in the village that night she would have heard some startling news for almost before the train rolled away from the platform everybody at or near the station had been told that mrs tracy's diamonds had been found in harold hastings pocket and that he was under arrest such news travels fast and it reached the park house just as the family were finishing their late dinner i told you so i always thought he was guilty or knew something about them mrs frank exclaimed with a look of exultation on her face as she turned to her husband what do you think now of your fine young man who has been hanging around here after your daughter until she is half betwaddled after him frank's face was very grave as he answered decidedly i do not believe it harold hastings never took your diamonds how came he by them then she asked in a loud angry voice i don't know her husband replied there is some mistake it will be cleared in time but keep it from maud i think the news would kill her meantime tom had sat with his brows knit together as if intently thinking and when at last he spoke he said to his father i shall go to springfield on the ten o'clock train and you'd better go with me to this frank made no objections if his wife's diamonds were really found he ought to be there to receive them and besides he might say a word in harold's defence if necessary so ten o'clock found him and tom at the station where was also dick st clair with several other young men pacing up and down the platform and excitedly discussing the news of which they did not believe a word i almost feel as if they were hurting me when they touch hal he's such a noble fellow dick said to mr tracy and tom we are all as mad as we can be and so a lot of us fellows who have always known him are going over to speak a good word for him and go his bail if necessary i don't believe though they can do anything after all these years but father will know he is there with him 
and so the night train to springfield carried ten men from shannondale nine of whom were going to stand by harold while the tenth hardly knew why he was going or what he believed arrived in the city their first inquiry was for harold who instead of being in the charge of an officer as they had feared was quietly sleeping in his room at the hotel while judge st clair had the diamonds in his possession End of chapter forty one